Blog Talk Radio. And we are here this morning with a brand new show. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Tondra Kelly. Good morning, Tom. Hi, everybody. Happy Sunday. <laughs> yes. And we have a special guest on today, Katrina Oliver-Thomas. I'll let you uh, introduce yourself, Katrina. Good morning. Hello. Oh, um <laughs> Another one of those things that I've got to work on. Um, I'm Katrina Oliver Thomas, as she said. <laughs> um, self-published author, published my first book a couple of months ago, back in February. It's exciting. Um, the topic of today's show, 10 Things I Learned When My Husband Had a Girlfriend. I was married for almost 25 years. I've been divorced for four and a half now. And I am just excited to be a guest on the show today. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Thank, Thank you for being here. Thank yeah. you for being here. Yeah. This is awesome. So, well, let's just let's just jump right in. So um <laughs> so I heard about you, Katrina, when I was listening to our friend Dr. Kim's um podcast and Perfect Truth. And I was like, Wow, I love that title. It's catchy. Um and I really need to know what she's on from her husband's girlfriend. So <laughs> That's definitely a title that will grab you like, wait, what? <laughs> right. So what tell us a little bit about your background, like who you are and who your husband was, and then we'll get into what caused you to write the book because there absolutely had to be a reason <laughs> why this all happened. Okay. Um, well, we were two just, you know, regular I won't say run of the mill people, but we, you know, we had and I, what some people would look at as an ideal life, you know, three kids, two boys, a girl. Um, well, yeah, at the time it was just a boy and a girl. But um, he was an educator. I worked in um, the business side of the workforce until I became an educator as well. So for the last um, five years of our marriage, we were uh, both educators. And him being an educator and doing all the things that he did, spent a lot of time away from home with uh, quote-unquote school-related stuff. Uh, We were both extremely active in our uh, church. Both were, or I won't say were, but are, you know, ordained ministers. Not necessarily, we weren't preachers or pastors, but just if you understand uh, church, you have a leadership team. And we were both a part of that leadership team as ordained ministers. Um, made every effort to make sure our kids were exposed to different things, places, you know, being from Alabama, exposing them to places other than Florida and Tennessee, which nothing against people in Alabama who do that, but I just wanted my kids to understand the world was bigger than those two states. So we did Mm -hmm. things, you know, I'm just saying, you know, we went on trips, even (laughs) if it was vacation, you know, we're going to do some educational while we're there, just want to learn. Like I said, because exposure expands you. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, we were married for almost 25 years, and then at some point, you just have to decide that your peace of mind and sanity has to be placed above all else, especially just staying in the situation, but just to keep up appearances. 
So um, the book came from when he did have the girlfriend. Ideally, initially rather, the book was supposed to be written by both of us. I got the idea for the book because I understood and I knew people who had come through infidelity and their marriages mm-hmm. seemed stronger and better. I couldn't understand it at first, like how he did this or she did that, and how could it be make your marriage stronger? But that was the hope for my marriage because I just didn't want to give up. Um, but when I told him the title, he was just, oh, my God, he was just not trying to hear that. But it was because he wasn't in a place to acknowledge publicly what he had done and what he failed to realize. Because when I started writing, well, I had been writing a book over the course of 10 years. But when I told him the book was coming out, my book will be published at the beginning of 2021, I'll be done. He issued me a cease and desist order. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, right, that's what I did. I was like, first of all, wow. you act like I'm telling, and this is the car, this is I, this is the way I've had I've had to start coming at him because he came at me, you know, I'm like you you act like I'm telling something that nobody else knew, like I'm letting some secret out, like I'm exposing you guys, you know, you coming out the closet or something like that. I I literally was the last person to know at the time that this was going on. Yes, I had my suspicions. Wow. But mm-hmm. everybody in everybody in the town where his school was, where he worked, they knew because he was bold enough to go out with her. People in other communities, because he was a basketball coach, so when they would have basketball games, her nephew played on the basketball team, so she showed up to the games. So whatever, everybody knew. Everybody knew. So I was like, I'm sorry you're in a place where you can't publicly acknowledge this, but everybody knows, and I don't think. It's, I don't see a problem with us trying to come through it together so that we can help other couples going through the same thing. But, again, he wasn't trying to hear that. So I just kind of put the book on a back burner. But as the years went by, I just really felt, because, like I said, this was like 10 years. This has been over the course of 10 years. And I just really felt like I needed to write the book because I did learn valuable lessons. And what it turned into was what did you learn about yourself? Because, obviously, you can't write the book from his point of view and let him tell you what he learned. So you need to do it from what you learned about you. And I was like, okay. I love that you totally wrote this book from a, you know, from a this is what happened to me perspective. But I had to ask, and, you know, Renee um, talked on it. Did you come up with that title yourself, or did you have some help? Because that was a great title. Because when I think when you go through a divorce, the most important part when you come from a tearing of your marriage like that, um, what did I learn? What was my takeaway? It's exactly. Easy to point fingers at the other person. Exactly. And say they did this or they did that. But what is my takeaway? So exactly. The title, tell us where you got the title and tell us how did you come from writing it from uh, this is what I learned from that. The title, the original title was actually 10 Things I Learned from My Husband's Girlfriend. That was the original title. And that was actually the title up until I really sat down a few months ago and said, because 2020, my whole thing was, because a couple of people knew I was planning on writing the book. When are you going to finish? Oh, I don't have time. I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, COVID proved that I had time in 2020. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like, get the book done. COVID determined that was a lie. You got time. Get the book done. You're working from home. So I did. And it. I was talking to my mentor 
And he was like, well, let's look at your title. Ten things I learned from my husband's girlfriend. Because the, the, the cover I envisioned for the book, too, was a lady at a chalkboard writing and a lady at a desk like she was taking notes. That was the original cover that I, I had envisioned. And he said, well, you don't want to misre- mislead your readers because ten things I learned from my husband's girlfriend makes it sound like you actually sat down and talked to her and you had some takeaways. I was like, yeah, you're right. I can see that. So I just played mm-hmm. around with some words. Ten things I learned because my had my husband because my had my because my husband had a girlfriend. Ten things I learned when my husband had a girlfriend. Ten things I learned um, after my husband had a girlfriend. So I just played around with it. And ten things I learned when my husband had a girlfriend. That 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 stood out to me. I liked mm-hmm. it even better than ten things I learned from. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, because from my husband's girlfriend. And in terms of. Um, that, and that's what the lessons were about, because when I told him I wanted a divorce, that was really one of the things I said to him. And this was I, in 2015 when I told him I wanted the divorce. I said, we should both purpose in our hearts to take the mistakes that we've made in this marriage, learn from them, and be better to the next person we both plan on being in relationships with, whether it's marriage or short-term or whatever. We can't, I was like, I refuse to have let the last 25 years be for nothing. I wouldn't be the person that I say I am if I didn't learn something from it and purpose in my heart to do better. And that's the way I looked at it. That's great. I mean, when I read it, I'm sorry, Renee, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, no, go ahead. I'm a, I have a different, my question is going to go a different way, so go ahead. <laughs> so I think one of the things, your, um, the way you wrote it was so poignant and so, and so pointed. I guess my, my um, next question is, you said that you, um, you stayed because you wanted your marriage to be a testament of faith about what a couple can go through and still come out on But as you were speaking in your book, and you face so much anger and vitriol from your husband, what did he say to you to kind of make you stay when you guys, I guess, put the relationship out on the table? What did he say to you to say, okay, I can I can stay with this guy, and he means something to me. He's the father of my children. What did he say? Uh, he didn't say anything. Like he, when a girl, when oh my god, it's just so much that's not even in the book. He still he didn't say anything. It was mainly me and my relationship with God. I was, and I ain't gonna say I was, but I am the person who literally believes God can do anything. Like at the last minute, He can turn a situation around. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like me giving God a chance. But what I had come to realize, which is why I finally said no, and my ex-husband wanted a divorce too. He did. But because he is the person who cares about appearances, and I'm not really trying to be funny, but if he hadn't left me, people would, really would have been asking him, why are you leaving Trina? Trina, what'd she do? Man, Trina, why, why, what did Trina do? And he would not have been able to come up with anything other than the mantra that he gave me all those years. 
because uh, he used to always tell me, you don't love me, you don't respect me, you don't appreciate me. And over here in my, but again, once I realized that he was a narcissist and that was a part of his way mm. of gaslighting and manipulating yeah. me, because yeah. when I tell you, I took all of that stuff to heart, because it's confusing when they're saying these yeah. things, but you're looking at your reality, like, how don't I appreciate him? How don't, when you know you're showing you love him, his favorite meal, I made sure he had it two times a week. But the thing, that's the sex thing that we'll get into on down the line, I'm sure. But I stayed because I believed that God could fix it. But then I had to come to the realization that God is not going to override anyone's will. Mm. And where I was willing mm. to put in the work, let's go to counseling. I, I even went to personal counseling beyond our mm. couple's counseling. Because I, I, it was never, Lord, fix him, fix him, fix your child. It was God, fix me. Help me to be the wife that he wants me to be. But uh, hold this whole Trina, other topic. You gonna make too. me cry over here, girl. I'm just my personal story. But Lord, have mercy. I'm I just felt telling like you, you were a kindred spirit as I read your book. I felt like all the things I tried to write during the years of my marriage, you wrote it. And I'm just gonna give it over to Renee right now because I was just okay. like, good night. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Katrina, so you you said earlier that you started writing this book ten years ago. So this, so the affair had been going on for how long? <clears throat> do you or do the, you know? The affair went on that I came by the time I realized it was going on. I think they had been involved for almost a year. So okay. I found out in two thousand. Excuse me, how, my oldest was born in 2007. He was born in 2007. So I found out in like 2006. It had started in 2005 just from what I could piece together because, of course, him being caught, you know, exposed, he didn't really want to talk about it. So I had to just kind mm-hmm. of piece things together. Um, so it had been going on for about a year. And I, um, that was in, like I said, 2005, 2006. Then in 2007, we had another child, so they made us, you know, brought us up to three. But I think I got the idea for the book um, after I had had him about 2000, middle of 2007, end of 2007, 2008. And I started, I enrolled in uh, classes, novel writing classes, you know, how to do all of that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I just can't write a book because in my mind, um, I was a journalist by trade with my undergrad degree, and journalism is short and to the point. Well, it can't just be short and to the point. If you're writing a book, you got to be able to go into detail, expound on things, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. So I enrolled in some classes, some webinars to help me learn how to write um, the way novels needed to be written as opposed to turning off that journal, uh, journalist side of, of my brain and write in terms of how novels are supposed to be written. And he knew this. Because I was like, I wanted to write the book. So he knew I was involved in those classes. But again, he just was not in a place and really still isn't to where he is able to publicly say. Because when I found out and how it came to light, um, like I mentioned in the book, was the anonymous letter and then the email from um, Super 8. When I found out, he was like, yeah, Trina, so what? I've been talking to somebody. And I'm like, really? That's how you come at this? I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it is what it is. So I really um, stayed just, like I said, because I was really hopeful that we could have gotten past it. But one thing I knew, God is not going to literally make, he's not going to make anybody do what they don't want to do. And he just did not want to be married, but he didn't have the balls to say, I don't want to be married to you anymore. So one of us had to be the adult in a relationship. 
and say, you know what, this we're done. This is over. Wow. Wow. So did the affair continue throughout the rest of the marriage or was it that one year? It was, if there were any more after that, I was, the, the latest one that I was aware of when I told him I wanted a divorce, I have found out like six months after that, he had already started a new relationship. Because when I told him I wanted a divorce, his response to me was, well, I just want you to be happy. And if that is what will make you happy, okay. Wow. And I was, okay. Exactly. And so, wow. so, so 25 years. That's that's what that's what I get. And I was like, cool. But then I found out a few months later that he had already started because I told him in February of 2016, and he had already started that relationship in November of 2015. So, oh, wow. which was when we threw him the kids and I threw him the birthday party I mentioned because again, oh, yeah, you know, you talk about yeah. I don't like you, I don't love you. I mean, I don't respect you, I don't love you, I don't appreciate you. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll do this. But yeah, he had already started the relationship. So I was like, yeah, let me go and let this man go. And thankfully, Alabama is just a 30-day wait state. So I filed, and 30 days later, I was divorced. In the state I live in, it's a year. Oh, my God. Exactly. Yeah, it was a year for me, too. (laughs) So um, as you were writing this book, Katrina, I guess what surprised you um, most about yourself? Because it definitely seemed like there was a lot of growth um, during the time you were writing this book. And I guess because it's taking you, it took, you wrote the book over a span of time. You were doing education classes. You were doing a lot of work on yourself even before you even got to the divorce state. But as you finished, let's say, as you finished the book, what surprised you the most about yourself, about the marriage, about your husband, about anything that you probably, um, you know, went through as you were writing this book? You're like, wow. What was your wow point? My wow point was about don't ignore the signs because it was like you are so much better than this. This isn't this person was not you. And I was like, how did you let him, how did you allow him to let you become this person? Mm. And it, I, and trust me, I am a person who I extend grace. I understand it. But I was like, you just, you just let him put you in this box. And it wasn't because, yes, I did get married when I was 19. It was not that I didn't know who I was and that he shaped me and molded me into who he wanted me to be. I knew who I was. He knew who I was. But he, he put me in a box. And I, because just being the wife that, you know, just being the wife my husband wants me to be, I'm not going to step outside of this box. I had to have a certain job. I had to dress a certain way. He preferred, and that's what was so crazy about the affair because she was everything that he claimed he didn't want in a woman. Mm. So I was, I allowed myself to be put in this box, suppressing who I really was. I'm fun. I like to go out. I like to do things. I'm silly. Yes, I have an education. It's like, don't let the degrees fool you, but that's what, those are things that matter to him. The degrees, the, like I said, the caliber of job that you have. And I didn't even have anything fancy. Like, I was a bank teller for some of those years that we were married. Um, I worked at Walmart, but I worked in the cash office. And to him, you know, working in the cash office, that's better than being a cashier. I couldn't go into management because 
he was not going to free up his schedule to take care of the kids. And, you know, uh, working in management and retail, we'd both be gone. I'd be gone from the house just as much as he was, and I was all about raising my kids, making sure they were taken care of. But I worked at the cash office, so that was a decent, respectable job to him. Um, and then when I became a teacher, you know, of course, oh, that was great. Then I worked in news at a local news station for a while. That was great. You know, my wife's, a, you know, she's an associate producer for Channel 13. He was very boastful. And so I just, like I said, I had to be this certain thing, which was why when he did, I did find out about who he had the affair with. I was like, really? But yeah, the, uh, the my wow moment was, wow, how could, this is not who you are. You were not raised this way. How could you allow him to keep you, put you in this box, and then you stayed there? And I was like, no, I've got to take my life back. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And, again, he was making no effort. I I don't know if I said it in the book or not, um, just about you can't be the only one ruined in the relationship. It cannot just be one person. Both people have to put forth the effort to make the relationship continue. To help it to continue to grow, and he was just willing to do that at all in any kind of way. He took yeah. every opportunity he could to tear me down, and he yeah. almost did it. Yeah, yes. I mean, when you talked about, um, I was married to a pastor, and and I was the first lady, and it was you know, but just as you said, it was all about perception. Yep. There was nothing. There was nothing real past what people thought and um and 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 renee and another friend you know i'm telling them my story and renee she's so gentle she is such a great spirit and you know she was like you know trying to walk me through it without telling me saying you're being gaslighted this exactly not trying to put his perceptions of you on you and yep. they are not real right and, and so I thought you know my friend Michelle was like he's not worthy he is not worthy of your time your whatever whatever but like you I was like but God yep Malachi says I abhor divorce how right. do how do I go through this process knowing that I am not happy and knowing that this man has done everything to me this guy, you know, he was involved with multiple people. He was going to conferences saying that this is what he was doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I found one point he was talking to up to multiple women, and he was like, this is ministerial counseling. Uh-uh. Really? You're not doing that ministerial counseling at home? Exactly. And then when you're talking about the conversations and how your conversations go from being open to the secret, I was like, Lord have mercy. But I just, you know, my question, and I prompted that to say, as you were going through that and um, as you're talking to other women now, because you definitely have a testimony. So what we learned is that the testimony doesn't necessarily have to be with the person that you were with. Exactly. The testimony didn't have to be your marriage. But the testimony is how do you get over, mm-hmm. over that person, over the marriage in a, in a healthy and godly way. So right. what do you tell other godly women who probably are going through something similar to this 
about how God still loves them and don't forsake yourself over the marriage? I would say the first thing I would say is the blessings of the Lord make it rich and add no sorrow. So if you want to approach your marriage because you are that godly woman and you want to approach it from the word standpoint, that's what the word says. If you, and I'm not saying marriage is going to be perfect. Trust me, I understand that. But if it's more sorrowful to you than it is a blessing to you and your spouse, then y'all might want to have a conversation. The other thing I took, and this is just a revelation that I came to, what God has joined together let no man separate. Mm-hmm. Were you supposed to be joined together in the first place? Mm-hmm. Was that really mm-hmm. God? And this mm-hmm. was something, this is a conclusion I came to in my own marriage. Was mm-hmm. it really God or was it you just out there doing you? And again, even in those situations, well, no, it really wasn't God, but we just blah, blah, blah. He can even take that and make it into something godly and wonderful. But again, both people have to be on the same page. Yes, I know what the word mm-hmm. says about divorce, and my mama connects, but he ain't hitting you, but emotional and mental abuse is just as much the same as physical abuse. Amen. Financial, financial mm-hmm. abuse is the same as physical abuse. You might not see the scars of the fact that I couldn't spend more than $20. If I had, to, if I wanted to spend more than $20, I had to ask him first. But yet he out here buying whatever he wants, whenever he wants, spending however much he wants without consulting me. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I would just say the first, and with, this is my thing. I, like you said, worked on myself through the counseling, the couples counseling that we went to, and then eventually the individual counseling that I went to. While I was still married, I had to stay true to who I was and to my relationship with God. So, yes, while I knew he was out there doing all this stuff, I was like, you know what? I can't, that can't be my story. Because I don't want to disappoint myself. I've got to explain this to my kids one day, and I don't want to disappoint them. Plus, that's not that wasn't who I was. Yes, I wanted to get revenge. Yes, I wanted to do things, but at the end of the day, I just kept going, but that's not who you are. So you got to stay true to yourself. Have real, I'm telling you, I don't, again, didn't want to just, but, but because I am a person who loves God, he already knows the end anyway. And I felt in my situation, short of him either, I ain't going to say causing anybody's death, but I just didn't want it to come to that because I know it was like there, when I looked back, there were times when I probably should have left before I did. Mm-hmm. But it was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm going to hang on in there. And every time I was like, I just looked back at the times where God was silent. When I felt like, oh, no, I'm just going to hang in there. I, it wasn't no affirmation like, yes, Katrina, that's what you do. You're doing the right thing, blah, blah, blah. So the door the, the door was there. And just like I didn't, couldn't ignore the signs about staying, I mean, my ex-husband cheating, you cannot ignore the signs that are shown to you that it's time to go. Baby, you have done all that you can do. Amen. It is time to go. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was going to lead into my next question um, to get into your book a little bit. <clears throat> One of the ones that stood out to me was Lesson 3, where, it was, where you talked about intuition and God is your gut. And can you talk a little bit about, you, you say like you had some twinges and some feelings of that at some point, and then you stay, and then you see something else, and you're like, uh, and then you stay. 
and and I think is I think it's people, but I, I think also as women, uh, and, and specifically that we often do have that feeling of of all kinds of things. Like it could be anything. Like I, I was telling uh-huh. the other day that sometimes I'll meet somebody and and my friends all joke. They're like, if Renee doesn't like you, something is wrong with you. Exactly so right. Sometimes <laughs> I, meet, I meet somebody and I'm like. I don't know. I don't like their energy. And I don't, uh-huh. I used to want to explore it. Like, let me find out what's going on. Now I'm just like, I don't like their energy and I'm just going to go. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look through this. And I'm learning to listen to that part of me more as I get older. So what, what for you was the thing that made you go, you know what? I need to listen to this. Like I need to stop tripping and like really hear or see or feel or smell, whatever it is. Something is not right, and it's time for me to just go. It was the looks on my kids' faces when he told us that, yeah, the birthday party was all great and wonderful, but there are 364 Mm. more days of the year. My kids, and at the time, they were like, oh, Lord, you know, I really do math, maybe like 4, 8, and 12 or three, nine, and 11, something like that. They were young. And, I mean, they helped me plan a birthday party and everything. We managed to keep it a secret from him, and they were so excited. Um, and when he said that to us in the living room after the party, the looks on their faces broke my heart. Like, Mama, what is Daddy talking about? And I knew that because what we're not going to do is be playing Jedi mind tricks on my kids. Like he's not gonna do that. And that that was November of twenty fifteen, uh, the night of his birthday party. And I was like, Okay, Lord, this is it. But I said, Me being me, I said, Lord, I this is it. I'm I'm not doing this anymore. And I, I still I prayed and I fasted for thirty days and I did not once hear God saying, Stay, try this, do that. It was just things started lining up to where I could I could even move out. I mean, things just mm. fell into place. It was like once I made the decision to go, that's when God started to move for real. Things just started lining up a place to stay, a new job in my own town. Because I had the job with the school system I was working in was an hour away. And I was like, both mm. of us can't be out of town. Somebody needs to be in town with the kids. Because um, for a while, I even put them in a the school system where I was because I knew he worked out of town. So, um, I mean, th- a job came available in my city, so I no longer had commute. I could be here to take people to and from practices and all this kind of stuff. And it just started to line up. And then, like I said, when I, because um, I didn't say anything to him right then in November, I prayed and I fasted. And in February, of 2016 is when I told him, and see, we had already uh, booked a cruise for our son's high school graduation. And um, mm-hmm. I went on that cruise, stayed in that room like I, like everything, you know, was all right. But I was still getting a divorce. Had a good old time on the cruise. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I was like, you know, we're not going to tell the kids until the end of the school year because I don't need that stress on them as they try to finish the last few months of school. So that's why mm-hmm. I stayed you know, through May. And then again, me being me, because I was going to move out in May. Well, I was going to move out after June when we got back from the cruise. Well, he got pink slip, lost his job, which meant that he wasn't going to have a paycheck coming in for the next 30 days. Well, I can't leave my kids over there in the house where stuff would get turned off. So I stayed through August just so there would be money coming in to to pay the bills. Mm Mm-hmm. And to me, I didn't have to do that. But, again, I was thinking about my kids, not really him. Um, 
So I just, I would still, even in a divorce, it was still just being considerate. And I, I'm, I'm tired mm-hmm. of being considerate. It and seems, there's no consideration for me. It seems like you've made, you made a lot of sacrifices and compromises during the marriage, even at the end. And mm-hmm. I love what you said in your book when you said, just the title, I am enough. Yes. You know, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, how did you feel in coming into yourself? Again, this was a timeline for you. You went through finding out that your husband was cheating when you had small children at home, and I don't even think one was born yet. And and then to adding to your family, continuing through the marriage, leaning on God for his for his wisdom, when do you think on that timeline that you said, you know what, um, this probably has been going on long enough. I've been enough to this man. I've sacrificed. I've compromised. I need to depend on. I need to depend on me now because you had to go. You were talking even through the, and I only say this because as I'm reading, you were just like you wanted to make some moves, but you didn't have enough money. And then you go from not having enough money to like helping him. So right. when did you when did you get to this self sacrificing to independent? And how was that for you? Um <clears throat> the self sacrificing and the independence came after I left. And I say that because like out of the house, out of his presence because there was always an oppressive spirit in his presence. Mm. And being out of his house, I mean, it's, it's just, this, that's what it had to be, out of his house, away from him. Because um, during the time, right after I moved out, my friend ended up having to move in with me for a while because she was going through a separation from her husband. And she was like, your house is so peaceful. It's so much peace over here. And I'm like, and it's going to stay that way. I've worked hard to keep mm. to get my peace back, and I'm going to keep it at all costs. But I I had to be away from him and out of his presence. And I was finally able to be me again. Outside of, like I said, I was able to come out of that box that he had put me in. And being an independent, and I'm not saying independent, like I don't need no man, just independent in my own thoughts and my own thinking. Because I had convinced myself that nothing I thought mattered, because when I said it, it didn't matter to him. And so just being able to be who I was, and I loved myself for who I was, but he couldn't. Mm. Um, And again, but somebody told me some years, years ago, before, you know, any of the problems, anything came up, that on a spiritual level, he was jealous of me. And I'm like, but why? I ain't doing nothing. Like, literally, I was active in church. But it wasn't like I was somewhere off, you know, speaking in con- at women's conferences and doing all these big, great things. I really was not. But somebody told me that, and I don't know, you know, where that came from or what was coming down the pipeline, but I was never one to steal, try to steal his shine. I just faded into the background um, because he was, like I said, he was all about the perception, the attaboys, the pats on the back. And it's so crazy because now my kid, which I knew I, would, I was, wasn't going to have to say anything about him to the kids, they, they're starting to see and have seen themselves. And my daughter, she's 18. She made a comment about a month or so ago. We were talking about some things, and she was like, maybe if he did as much for his family 
as he does for his students and people on, you know, there's something got to do with basketball, he'd have a better relationship with us. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh. and that was all I said because mm-hmm. she recognizes that. I just said, oh, okay. And even throughout this process, they would come and dump on me, and I would still tell them, that's your daddy. At the end of the day, you need to say what you need to say to him, but do it respectfully because that's your daddy. Never, I mean, it, and it's a lot because they're starting to see what I saw. Yeah. You know, while mm-hmm. and, and we were married, and I just hate that for them because he doesn't realize it's really killing their relationship. Like they can, the only reason they aren't with me permanently is because, and this is what they said, Mama, we would really want to live with you, but we know it'll hurt Daddy feeling. Because we just split custody now. It's every week since we stay so close together. They stay with me a week and him a week. And they hate it. They absolutely hate it. But they don't mm. want to hurt his feelings. Well, I definitely I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that that is um, it's interesting that you you brought the kids into this because I was going to ask you like how did how did leaving impact them because I know so I I went through a divorce as well decades ago and I remember it was right, it was only a year after my daughter was born and one of the things I was thinking about was that I wanted her to be in a two parent home that was like something I wanted because I didn't grow up in it but I also realized that my ex and I couldn't stay together without one of us ending up in jail and one of us dead. It was just, we were just going to fight to the end. And so Uh I I made the decision to leave thinking whatever I was going to show her if I stayed was not going to be a good display. Like this is not what marriage, love, relationships should look like with Uh people fighting and Uh arguing all the time. And so I love your lesson six when you talk about don't be afraid to leave because I think so often we see that where someone in the relationship is scared to leave because of money, because of, I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know how I'm going uh-huh. to take care of the kids. I don't know how I'm going to pay for the kids if I, you know, if I get them. What, I mean, what was the, what gave you the courage? And I know part of it was your kids that you didn't want them to see that, but what also gave you that, that courage to just say, I got to go. Like, I just, I can't stay here for the kids because a lot of people say that. I'm staying for the kids. Um, and see, I, I, like I said, I would stay, it wasn't for the kids because I knew, and this is what I told them, um, my oldest, our oldest son was 18 at the time, had just graduated from high school. He was the most hurt because he was like, um, but there very few, I'm the only one of my friends, just about the only one of my friends who have a mama and a daddy that's still married and da, 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 da. I was like, okay, listen, I understand that and I can stay. But I need you to understand, if I stay, your daddy and I are going to live like roommates. And what we have shown you and what we will continue to show you will not be a healthy example of what a healthy marriage is supposed to be. I can't mm. stay because we will be doing you a bigger disservice than if I go. So I said, I'm sorry, but either way it goes, it's going to need to be a good example or a bad example, either through divorce or staying in a loveless uh, marriage. And because my mm-hmm. ex-husband was the type, like, we didn't argue, he, which I very rarely argued, but we didn't have heated discussions in front of the kids. He would either wait until they went to sleep 
or we go outside or something like that if we were going to disagree. I didn't like that because I said, which I said, you're not showing them how to handle conflict. They should learn conflict management from us. But if they never see us disagree on something and figure it out, then they won't learn that skill. But he was big on mm-hmm. not letting his kids see us argue. And I said, that makes no sense to me. That's just not right. Because, again, we're there, we should be the best example they have of how to work through everything. But he wouldn't do it. My two youngest, my daughter at the time was 13, and her brother was uh, nine, the youngest one. He's not 13 now. But she was like, when, you're, like, when your child tells you, Mama, you free, go live your life. She even, that's why, you know, kids see more things than we give them credit for. And that's what my mm-hmm. ex-husband does not understand. They really, aside from my oldest son, who is his namesake, um, he doesn't see that his dad, I mean, which I don't see, I don't, I would say that he says I'm wrong, but he just, his eyes haven't been opened like the two youngest have. But, um, but they see more than we give them credit for. And um, we were, she was telling me about some conversation they had at some little teen girls group they had at the high school. And she um, said, you were in a toxic relationship with dad. Y'all relationship was toxic. I was like, what makes you say that? Oh, because in, uh Women on the Move, whatever the name of the group is, in our group today, we were talking about X, Y, Z, and when they were talking about the traits of a toxic relationship, I was like, wow, that was my mom and daddy marriage. And she was, she wow. for her to realize that, my youngest son, last year we were in Atlanta, and I have a Spotify playlist on, and uh, Lizzo, Truth Hurts, or whatever that is, Why Men Great, mm-hmm. that one, that was mm-hmm. on, it's on my playlist. And he was like, Mama, I really think you would like her song, um, Feeling Good, it's H-E-L-L. I was like, what, why, you went into Mama mode, why are you listening to Lizzo, what does this song say, is she cussing, <laughs> is she naked in the video, blah, 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 blah. He was like, Mama, <laughs> trust me, just listen to it, I think you'll like it. I'm like, I don't know, she got one good song, but I don't know about all these others. He's like, Mama, give me your phone. So he got my phone, and he put in good as H-E-L-L, um, and this is me just repeating him, but he put in good as hell in my, on my playlist, and it came on. And I'm, he's like, Mama, just listen to the words. And I'm listening to the words. And I almost started crying because I'm like, he is 12. <laughs> and he can identify the Amen. words to this song with Amen. what he knows and remembers his mama going through. Amen. I was like, yep. I'm telling you, kids see and they pay attention they to so anything. much more than we think. So, yeah, I just very discerning spirit. That's one of the things I really, you can probably hide things in your marriage from yourself, but you're not really hiding a lot from your children. Even the things that you Mm -hmm. think that they don't see, they do see. And I think that's something that we need to realize in in marital relationships is that, oh, we're doing it for the kids or we're we're doing something um, for our children. And you're really not. You're really really not. Because yep. the kids, yeah. I know when my parents were together, I was like, Ma, let's go. I right. was just like, Daddy does not love you like this. Yep. And, right. um, and I was like, because even as a kid, I saw that this wasn't love. And right. I was just like, this is not how love treats you. What right. I didn't see in my own marriage, because you, I think sometimes for women, most women, um, even though they say about, 65% of divorces are initiated by, by the women, but women try to stay alone. Mm-hmm. Right. They do. I mean, they mm-hmm. really try to put in the work to try to 
day. Mm-hmm. And um, when men disengage, very, they can disengage pretty early um, right. for the most part. You said that in the last part of your book, you said, I will survive. You've been about four years outside of your marriage. Do you think that you're still surviving or do you think that you're thriving outside of your marriage now? I am getting to a place where I am starting to thrive. Um, I had to rebuild myself because I was the I had to rebuild myself financially. I was the wife that trusted him to do right with everything, finances, everything. Uh, and that backfired, and I ended up being the one um, making sure the bills got paid and all of that, you know, planning vacations and making sure, like, if we had to make payments on stuff, doing it that way. Um, and what, when we got a divorce, my credit was in the toilet because of some things I had trusted him to do. So I had to file bankruptcy. Wow. I had I had mm. great credit prior to that. Um, and that just that hurt me so bad. Come on, but I'm like, you know what though? It's gonna be okay. So I've had to work on rebuilding my mm-hmm. credit, which I have. I'm back up past where it was um, before my divorce. I'm getting ready to make moves now to a, a whole nother state. That'll really be like another season of my life. But I feel like now I am to a place where I am starting to thrive mm-hmm. um, in spite of all of that. Um, because it was just, it was not easy. I had my second master's degree that I just, I got last year. I graduated, uh, last April. I paid for that out of pocket. And I'm like, do you know what I could have done with $10,000? Congratulations. I, mm-hmm. Thank Congrats. you. Yeah. I sacrificed. You know, no, we can't go here. No, we can't have this. And I and I, I had I talked to my kids, and that's the thing now. My biggest one of my biggest takeaways too is just being an over communicator because that was my um downfall. My part in the downfall of our marriage was my lack of communication. So now I tend to over communicate. Um, I'm gonna ask a thousand questions for clarification because I don't want anybody creating a narrative in their head that's just not right. <laughs> um, so I sat down, you know, with my kids, and I said, hey, I'm getting ready to go to school. I got to pay for it myself. I just need y'all to know it's going to be some times we're not going to be able to do a lot of stuff. It's going to be some times we're not going to be able to go out to eat and so-and-so, you know, and so forth. They're like, Mama, we understand. We're so proud. And they have been, my, my two youngest, have been my biggest cheerleaders. They have That's been my awesome. biggest cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I have some people on online, so let me see if they have questions. Give me one second. Okay. Oh, questions. Oh, my. Hello, caller. Good morning. Do you have a question for Katrina? It's us your name. <laughs> Sorry. Please. Caller, and it is one six six five. Your mic is open. Do you have a question for Katrina? Hey, Katrina. Good morning. This is Daryl. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are hey, you, Daryl? Daryl. How are you? I'm great. Hey. Uh, so I know that there was a lot of anger uh, during this process. And how did you deal with the anger that you had? Because I know that, you know, you kind of vacillated. Some days you felt good. Some days you didn't feel so good. Some days you were angry to the point that you probably wanted to, hey, this is my hand. Jump your neck right up in these two between my forefinger and thumb so I can choke the snot out of you. But how did you deal with those days of really, really being angry? Um, surprisingly, anger was not my go-to emotion. My go-to emotion was sadness and depression because I felt like I couldn't be what he wanted me to be. 
I felt like I couldn't be all that I knew that I could be. And I spent a lot of time sad and depressed because my marriage was going the way that it was. And nothing that I seemed to be doing was working. I think the angriest I ever was was um, when I saw her and what she looked like. And um, then I found out more things about her, like just she was just real ghetto and had five kids with four baby daddies. That made me angry because again, that was she was the complete opposite of me, and he was she was everything he claimed he didn't want or like about women, and I, that was the angriest that I was. Uh, but again, never resorted to violence. I wanted to, but I just my go-to emotion was just sadness and depression. Thank you for your answer. Um, if, if I may, uh, I think. From my experience, and uh, some friends of mine, we've talked, and uh, sometimes men tend to um, go to that to that woman that they feel that they can help and be a helpmate to. Do you think your husband felt as though he could not be that helpmate to you as he could have been that helpmate to that woman with five kids in the ghetto? Because, you know, as a man, we have to feel... Uh, until we learn better, let me put that in there, we have to feel that we're uh, saving someone, if you will, or being the hero. So um, have you ever thought about what made him go to a woman that, and I hate to say it like this, but just didn't have any any accomplishments uh, as opposed to what you had? Um, he definitely did suffer from Captain Sabahoe syndrome. He did. Um, and what he, I'm just saying, cause that's, let's just call it what it is, but he did because I saw that in so many other, uh, friendships, like legitimate friendships, like these were women he was friends with that he was not sexual with. And on that note too, he had cut off all those avenues with me. Like throughout my 25 year marriage, I had not one male friend, but that's the topic of conversation for another day. Um, he told my daughter, um, that she, she saw the lady saw him sitting in the parking lot one day after school because he had, um, he was the teacher, uh, for three of her kids. Um, she saw him sitting in the parking lot at school one day and asked what's wrong. And it just went from there because we know conversation, um, you know, affairs start in conversations, not in the bedroom. That's just what the bedroom is where they end up, but it starts with a conversation. And she did probably show him whatever emotional support he needed at that time. Um, but one thing about my ex-husband, he was very proud, very boastful, arrogant, and confidence are two different things. I don't mind the person being confident, but he was extremely arrogant. Again, nothing I am saying about him just because he's my ex-husband. Anybody would t- give, describe him using these same words. So you can tell when a compliment is being received and it's appreciated as just further boasting somebody's ego and building their ego and swelling their head. And I'm not one to say things just to say them. If I say something to you, it's because I mean it. You demonstrated something and that made me want to say nice job, good job, so on and so forth. Why would I do that if you're not doing it? I don't expect my supervisors at work to come tell me, oh, Ms. Thomas, you're doing a great job with your class, blah, 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 and I'm not because that lulls me into a false sense of security. So she probably was blowing his head up, you know, t- telling him how wonderful he was, this, that, and the third. And yes, come find out a lot of money that was supposed to be, you know, set aside for our household was going over there. So yeah, it, that's, that's a lot of what it was. That's, that's a lot of what it was. 
Thank you, and uh, I think that was a very great answer. So I don't know if you could say this to uh, other women that are going through a situation or even before they enter a situation to say that. Um, maybe it's because the ego of a man, and I'm a man myself, you know, I'm a manly man, uh, but uh, we do have egos, and uh feel as though we are helping. Uh, uh, I hate to use that word, but being that Captain save a to that person in your life, uh, being that superhero, uh, having that feeling of accomplishment in the relationship when it comes to your lady, um, and it's just that feeling that we need to have. And, again, you know, I'm a man, and I recognize that I have an ego, but you have to take that um, appetite suppressant uh, when you have that ego, and like you said, you know, understand what's a compliment and 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 not what you know, and not the other. Uh, so definitely, as a man, we do have to take that appetite suppressant when it comes to our egos um, to make our relationships work. Thank you. Okay, and I want to say this to that: if you're taking care of home first. Then, yeah, what you do outside of home should be an overflow, but you should be doing more outside of home than you're doing for in your own house. And trust me, if my man is 100% Johnny on the spot, he the compliments are going to be there. His every wish is going to be my command. So, Please. But my thing is, make sure you, like my grandma used to sweep around your own front door first. Mm. So you going over here trying to clean up, trim hedges, cut grass, edge up the yard, and that kind of thing. Is your own home taken care of? Amen. And then, too, why is you out over here doing all this stuff by yourself? You need to bring her around. You need to bring him around. Because one thing about the lessons in my book, they are not gender specific. Men need to know they are enough. Mm-hmm. Men need to know that after divorce, I will survive. I love this woman with all my heart, mind, and soul. And, baby, you can love again if you want to. But it's, it's not gender specific. The lessons are for men or women, men and women. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's, we're going to take care of home first before we go out here showing off and putting on airs to everybody else. Great comment mm-hmm. from both the yeah. caller and um, Katrina. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank yep, you. thank you, Daryl. Mm-hmm. Greatest exchange. Yep. I have one more caller on. Hold on one second. Thank you, Daryl. I'm going to put you back on mute one second. And, okay, caller, and then number ended in 0016. Do you have a question or comment for Katrina? And good morning, and tell us your name. Good morning. Caller ending in 0016. Do you have a comment or question for Katrina? Good morning. I'm Scott. Good morning. Hey, Scott. No, I, was, I, I came in a little bit late. I'm just listening, just putting some of the pieces together. Um, just uh, an interesting insight on learning and understanding um, relationships, but learning and understanding yourself first. Um, I've I've been in a few discussions over the years of whether you stay for the kids or not. But I found that interesting. Um, 
but I guess by putting out the information and having the kids understand when they are able to understand what's going on, then either way you feel like you're going to be wrong. So by understanding that either way you do it, this is probably going to be the outcome. At least they are more prepared and mm-hmm. understand that it is also not their fault of whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, thankfully, my yeah. kids did not feel like it was their fault. Um, and, I, and I'm just so thankful for that. And I tried to explain that to them in a way that they would understand that it was not their fault. And for a while, and it's so crazy, um, I think Tanja was talking about my youngest and just having that, that uh, discernment. He was four, I believe, four, let me see, eight, 2007. Uh, eight, nine, ten, nine, ten. He was like six or seven when we got a divorce. And what I just told them at that time was, we are just, we're two good people. We're just not good for each other. About six months went by, and he was like six or seven years old. He was like, Mama, why did you and Dad really get a divorce? And I was like, I told you, we're just two good people, not good for each other. And he let it go. Another six or seven months, maybe a year ago by, Mama, one day will you really tell me why you and Dad got a divorce? And I just threw, I just kept throwing it out there. Oh, you know, we're just two good people, not good for each other. Well, and again, I've been divorced four and a half years, and it kept coming up every so often. Like, he didn't believe me. And when he was about 10, I got a release to give him a little bit more information. And I was like, you know, sometimes people, um, you feel like you should be together, but you're not because of some things that have happened and you just, you try to make the best out of the situation, but the situation doesn't get any better. And then he just, so did dad cheat on you? I was like, what would make you ask me that? And he's like, I don't know. He just seems like the type that would. I was like, oh my God. And that was just so crazy. He was like 10. And I was like, well, I didn't really want to answer because I just didn't want to be that parent that painted the other parent in a bad light. And um, it was just so crazy that he would Say that, And I still didn't confirm or deny. I just kind of let the conversation go. But about a year and a half ago, he asked me again. He's like, Mama, I'm older now. Will you please just tell me what happened between you and Dad? Because I can already tell that he's not a good person and da 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 blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, my God. Now, that's all I can say because, again, just not wanting to be the parent, to paint the other parent in a bad light. I was like, look, your relationship with your dad is not my relationship with your dad. He's your father, and you have to respect that. I was his wife, and we didn't have a good relationship, but you can't let that affect the relationship you have with him now. But that was a whole, like I said, that was led to another conversation because he doesn't feel like he has a good relationship with him anyway. Uh, my ex-husband coached basketball, and they were like a championship ring-winning high school team. So he was gone, basketball practice, championships, camps, all of that stuff all the time. Then he was over the yearbook, and so he felt like every event that the school had, I don't care if it was a teacup tossing event, he had to go take pictures. Well, that was just under the cover of being somewhere doing things he didn't have any business. Because I'm thinking, like, if you're over the yearbook, you're the advisor. You can delegate these little kids to take their cameras to the park and, you know, take pictures. But he was always gone. So the same way he coached those boys to win championships should have been the same way he was coaching our kids and working with our kids at home, but he wasn't. 
Um, my, neither one of my kids know how to play basketball, and I'm not saying it's a prerequisite that they do, but if you're that good at it, to me, that would be a skill you would want to impart to your kids. He can fix a computer with his eyes closed and his hands tied behind his back, build one from the ground up with a gym clip and some bubble gum. Do my kids know how to do that? No, they don't. Um, he's been cutting his own mm-hmm. hair since he, like, for the last 40 years, all his life, basically. None of my kids can cut hair. And um, I was like, why didn't you show them how to do that? I shouldn't have to take my son to the barbershop to get their hair cut. Um, I mean, literally, he is like genius level IQ. Whatever the number is, when his IQ was tested years ago, he tested genius level. But he was doing all of that stuff for everybody outside of our home. I, it didn't take my kids long to see that. They especially see it now because he's still doing the same thing, which is what made my daughter make that comment she did a, about a month or so ago about if he do what he do for us like he do for his kids at school, maybe things would be different. So I didn't have to say anything. Um, and like I said, staying just would have been a bad thing anyway because it, unless his heart changed towards me and towards our marriage, it would not have made a difference. At all. Mm-hmm. Well, Katrina, this was enlightening. <laughs> um, <laughs> are there any are there any um, final words you want to say to us about the book? Where to get it? Um, a lesson that you that really struck you in the book? Because there was some, I brought up the, a few that I thought were really good but the other lessons you learned. The last one I was going to talk about was being transparent, and I thought that was a, uh. I thought that was a great one, um, just like not holding that grudge and, and how much energy that takes to do that and just talking about what it means um, just to be transparent in that relationship and how you learned from that. And so which, which of the lessons did you find the most helpful for you of the 10? I'm sure they were all helpful, but was there one that really stood out to you? Like, this is the one that got me through all of this. Um, the, I think just lesson eight, and from chapter eight, I was enough. Um, the lesson was don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up because I had mm-hmm. to release myself, like I mentioned earlier, how could you let this happen to you? This is not who you are. How could you let somebody do this to you mentally and emotionally? I beat myself up about that for a long time. And when, in mm-hmm. writing the book, I just didn't realize just how much so. And I was like, you really got to release yourself from this. You really have got to. I'm not saying that I didn't have a hand in it and I wasn't putting it all on him because, again, I knew and I allowed it. And I'm like, you've got to release yourself from this. You are no longer this person. And that helped me tremendously um, since the book has come out to just go back over that time, That's you know, to revisit the past and say, it's okay. You did what you did then in order to get through a time in your life just to survive that period. But this is not this is no longer who you are. You recognize things now in yourself and in others and you won't you won't allow this to happen again. You won't go to this place. I just wanna say before you go, Katrina, thank you so much for um, writing this book. It was it was a really easy read. But more than that, it had substance It was authentic. I felt as though I was, as I was reading it, that uh, um, a close friend was talking to me about her marriage. And, and 
but also given lessons about what could happen mm-hmm. if you just, just as you said, release yourself to um, doing what is right for you. And I think um, people of color, especially black people, we have a complicated relationship with the church mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. what we should be doing, what is right. right. And and just as you said, God doesn't want his children to be miserable in this right. life. He wants us to have joy. That's yep. what the Bible says. It yep. doesn't talk about happiness, but it talks about joy, mm-hmm. a joy that mm-hmm. we get from God. And if right. we're allowing ourselves to be in miserable relationships with people, mm-hmm. then not have the joy of the Lord. And so I just want to say thank you. Your your book truly spoke real realness to me. It definitely spoke a kindred relationship with a woman I have in Alabama. And so <laughs> that you um that whatever your next steps are, that this is not the end that we get to see of your writing, that we get to see more of it. And um and Thank you again for speaking so real. I'm sure many, many women will um, pick up this book and and know that they're not alone. Well, thank you. Um, It's available on Amazon.com, 10 Things I Learned When My Husband Had a Girlfriend. It's available on purchase ebook and paperback. So I would um, encourage everyone to purchase it, download it, and please leave a review. And if you like what you read, like she said, it's a very short read. Um, I felt Mm -hmm. no need to just draw things out. I said what I had to say. So it's a very short read, like on your lunch break. If you got an hour lunch type read, I mean, you know, it's a a read you can do on your lunch hour. And I just um, wanted to leave your audience with the, um, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And I know you guys have seen about love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy that scripture. What's something I learned Mm -hmm. to do is, Take out the word love, and if you're in a relationship, insert that person's name. Mm. Let's just say, um, you know, whatever, if his name is Keith. Keith is patient. Keith is kind. Keith does not envy. Keith does not boast. If Keith can't check off all them boxes, y'all might want to have a conversation. And by the same token, you need to insert your name in the place of love. I am patient. I am kind. I don't envy. And again, if you can't check off all those boxes, you need to have a conversation. We have to become the best version of ourselves before we can truly give ourselves authentically and in a wholesome way to anybody else. And I I mean, it's a sad lesson to learn because I'm almost 50 and I'm finding out that most men, a lot of men have not, but it's okay. That look, I'm, I'm working on my podcast, Divorce, Single, and Saved. That's a whole other conversation for that right there. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to hear love about it. it. Yes. That sounds awesome. So thank you so much, Katrina, for being here. And, again, you can pick up her book on Amazon. It's called 10 Things I Learned When My Husband Had a Girlfriend by Katrina Oliver Thomas. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time this morning to do this. I'm so glad we had an opportunity to have you on the show. And it is a quick read. I read it uh, last weekend. So you take like, what, maybe 90 minutes to read. Yep. It's a quick read, but a lot of really powerful lessons in it. So I would say give it a read. You get an opportunity to do so. Uh, with that, we're going to close out our show. And I just want to thank my, my awesome co-host, Tondra Kelly. You had great questions. Tondra, tell us how we can find you on the social media. 
Hi, everybody. My name is Kenley. You can find me on um, the IG and Twitter at L.A. Kenley. Um, you can also find me on Facebook at LaTondra Anderson Kenley. So I look forward to um, talking to you guys next week. Thanks. Awesome. And I am Renee Yvonne. I am the gym sexologist everywhere except Twitter. I'm just gym sexologist because they won't let me add the the too many letters there. So you can find me everywhere uh, there. And it's exciting to be able to do this. So, Tom, I, I was going to take Mother's Day off. Um, cause Mother's oh, cool. Day. I'm going to be so. in the mountains. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I was thinking, we're going to take Mother's Day off. And then Tondra and I are going out of town the following week. We'll be out of town. And so yep. what I'm planning to do is to play the podcast that we were, uh, I was going to call Imperfect Truth with our friend Dr. Kim Simon. So I'm going to post those two. So you'll have a ton of listenings for those next two weeks. They are fun and hilarious. I do a show and tell. Um, I shock some people. So it's <laughs> So you'll have an opportunity to uh, <laughs> to see me in action there. So I'm going to post those for the next two weeks so you'll get to check us out so you won't miss us when we're gone. And we'll be back, uh, I guess that's the 23rd, for uh, our next show. So, and I will post what that is because right now it's a surprise to even me. So <laughs> we will see you in a couple of weeks. And I want to thank, thank my guests again and my co-host again for being here this morning. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Y'all have a great thank day. Thank you guys for inviting oh, me. I appreciate it. Music. Bye, Katrina. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye, Katrina. Bye, Yvonne. Thank you.